Hi, I'm Libby Trickett. This is All That Glitters, a podcast where I sit down with the world's best retired athletes and explore the transition from the bright lights of competition to the real world. On today's show, I sit down with six-time Olympic medalist Michael Klim. Michael Klim is swimming the race of his life. Fidel's trying hard. Michael Klim's in front of Fidel. He's a half an arm's length in front. Michael Klim hanging on. Michael Klim, it's yours. You have nailed it. Much better. <laughs> how is the how Excellent. is the internet in Bali? Is it all right? Yeah, it's like it's pretty good. I normally don't. Yeah, I never call because the telecommunications are terrible. But yeah, you can call people on WhatsApp. On, yeah, cool. On you know FaceTime audio and stuff. So yeah, that's the preferred option. That's so, fine. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Awesome. Nice one. Well, congratulations on this, actually. I've been I've listened a few times. And thank it's, you. Yeah, it's, and I like your honesty with everything. So <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> I hope that's a, a compliment. <laughs> no, ab- no, absolutely. Because it's funny how people don't, you know, it is, yeah, they don't always understand mm. what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, so, 100%. Uh, yeah. So yeah, no, it's all good. All yeah, good. it's it, it's so interesting. To today. Well, it's interesting because I find um, I don't know, like to start. Okay, I, I got to start at the beginning because I have to say <laughs> that yes, it's the first recording of the year, and yes, I'm just nervous because I haven't recorded in over a month anyway. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> also. Uh, like 13-year-old Libby is just fangirling at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) When I was, you know, 13, 14, 15, watching the swimming, you know, it was really you and Jeff Hugel and, you know, and and Scott Miller for a period of time as well. And you, you guys were just were it for me and I just you guys were one of the things that made me fall in love with swimming because you were swimming my events you were you know absolutely crushing it on the world stage and it was just such a joy to watch you all race particularly you obviously but um yeah so I so I had a little fangirl moment earlier today appreciate those kind words I mean obviously you you took it to the next level, so, you know, but um, so I'm glad we managed to inspire you. That was a pretty amazing period that I think, you know, we kicked it off and, you know, around 2000 and, and yourself and Liesl and, you know, and now the girls have taken mm. it away, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, I think we hopefully, you know, started off that new era in our sport, so... Glad we're part of it. Well, that's, and I guess that's kind of, as a swimming fan, I kind of want to talk to you about that period of time because it really was such, such a golden period of time in, in Australian swimming. And, you know, obviously with the 2000 Olympics and, you know, you guys smashing them like guitars and just the whole vibe of, of swimming, but also sport in general in Australia was just magic. But for me, that mm. really all started in 98, I think, at the World Championships, which mm. I, I think it's safe mm. to say was your, well, I think it was probably your greatest yeah. performance um, as yeah, an athlete. Yeah. How, like, how was that for you being in it and being involved in it? Yeah, I think obviously that that lead up to, you know, I, I remember distinctly where I was. I was in, in Melbourne sitting on the floor and when Melbourne, uh, when, sorry, when Sydney got announced the Olympic Games mm. and I was still a, you know, young pup and, you know, still obviously six years prior to the Games and, and suddenly this became, this kind of dream sort of became a, a vague reality that mm. potentially, you know, having, having an Olympics on home soil could, could actually happen. And if I did everything right up to that point, you know, maybe one day I can swim at those Olympic Games. So, um, and then over time, as you know, I grew up and transitioned from a junior swimmer to an open swimmer and, uh, you know, got closer and moved to the Institute of Sport at the age of 16 and moved out of home and, and kind of got scouted by Gennady Turetsky and Jim Fowley to start creating this kind of squad that was hopefully ultimately going to represent the relay squad in in sydney so i was getting step by step closer to that dream that mm. you know i remember sort of seeing when you know the winner is sydney and mm. everyone erupting so um and yeah so so for me and and it, and, and it was a, a build-up that i know that you've experienced before every year you get closer to the games and especially uh at a games on home soil where if it's come off games or whatever it might be 
there is more media attention, more corporate attention. There's so we are in a pretty interesting time where we needed that for our sport to bring the awareness and the profile and for, you know, as, as individuals and also for the, for the sport itself. But then again, you didn't want to be distracted from the work that yeah. you had to do to then perform, you know, to, to your expectations and then the expectations of, of everybody else. So it was a really interesting period, but I think ultimately what I remember is that there was just support, you know, yeah. I, I don't think there was any, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if I, I've forgotten stuff, but I think it's, you know, it's mainly it was just this huge wave of support from, you know, the public and everyone that was involved. But, you know, I traveled uh, Australia far and wide when I was training, say, Cotton Tree and Maroochydore and, you know, Cairns and wherever I went, you know, people were so helpful and they wanted us to do so well. Mm. So that's, that's what I remember. And, you know, there was, even though we were so competitive amongst each other, say Skippy, for example, and, and Adam Pine and, mm. you know, Scott Goodman and Miller and everyone. And there was still, you know, there's still camaraderie, which, you know, I think that's what set us always apart. You know, we've got a, you know, relatively small nation that, you know, outperformed ourselves in per capita, really. And so, you know, we, we knew when we had to go head to head, but when we came together and you, you've just stood on that golden, on that, first medal days and you know what it means when it when you come as a team as a mm. unit and you you bring the best out of each other that way as well because I, I do I want to go back to the 98 Perth World Championships because I, I think that was my first real conscious uh competition that I watched as like a, as a 13 right. year old I was kind of starting like I've always loved swimming always done swimming but it was the one that I first remember watching and I was having an argument yeah. with my husband Luke because I, I'm pretty sure at that stage the 15 metre underwater rule hadn't come in. No, it hadn't come Did in. Did you yet. go almost yeah. the whole way underwater? I went, uh, no, I know it's so in a hundred fly, I did about 23 metres going 23 out metres. and about sort of 18 coming back. Okay. The and then, yeah, so it, uh, and it was always experimental. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's uh, obviously I, I got that from Pankratov yes. the year before when yes. he, you know, broke the world record at 96, a year and a half before at the Olympics. So, yeah, that, um, you know, the, the rule changed just after those all championships. So <laughs> I was lucky to to, uh, to get that time in. And and because it was a really interesting time, I think, for you as well, because you were, mm. you know, one of the best in the in the 200 metres freestyle. You were obviously exceptional mm-hmm. at the 100 metres butterfly as well. You were excelling in the 100 freestyle. But you also had the likes of Ian Thorpe, Grant Hackett, mm. yeah. also starting yeah. to come through in a couple of those events. Yeah. How did that yeah. Yeah. feel? Because, you know, on one level, yes, it, it strengthens the Australian mm. team. It, strengthen, it strengthens the Australian relay team particularly, especially yeah. leading into yeah. Sydney. But how does that feel as an individual athlete when you have these big goals and then someone like Ian Thorpe is coming through? <laughs> yeah. Look, at, um, it was a really – oh, for me, first of all, you know, like just a quick story. I qualified first for the 96 Olympics yes. and um, was r- ranked number one in the world. And, um, you know, and it was the first event on the first day and you walk down the corridor of, of the, and you know, the Georgia you? Tech Aquatic Centre. Uh, well, that, in 96, I was 18. Yes. So I was actually, so I, was seven, I was, yeah, super young. I was turning, I was turning 18 just at the game. And um, so first event, you know, going down the side sheets and I was, you know, on the, t- on top of that list. So, um, and it, I thought, you know, I, I had a great trials. I beat one of my dear friends and Daniel Kowalski. So we both qualified. We were actually paired up next to each other in the heats. You know, I was lane four, you were lane five. And, um, but, you know, I was, like you said, super young. I, I, um, I was really nervous. I got overruled by the whole occasion. I was, I rushed everything from, you know, getting on the bus to finding, <laughs> finding Gennady to my warm up to, I just, just wasn't comfortable, you know, mm. and, uh, um, and it was a really sort of, it was a costly mistake because I ended up missing the final and, um, that emotion of, you know, that preparation that I had in the lead up when I thought it was going to be so sailing, 
I'm going to get my gold medal, come home and, yes. and be a hero. It, it actually, you know, just derailed everything. It but doesn't it, happen like I that, does it? Obviously, like it just doesn't yeah. happen. Like you kind of, <laughs> yeah. you go into it. Because I had the same experience in, in 2004. I was 19, world record holder, yeah. and I missed the final. I was ninth. And you just, you're like, yeah. oh, but... But no, I'm the I'm the yeah. fastest. I'm supposed to be at the top yeah. of the dais here. Like it yeah, just happens exactly. like that, doesn't it? Exactly. But you know what? If it wasn't probably for that, you know, at that time I was still swimming with a bent arm recovery. I was mm. trying to emulate Alex Popov, and I was obviously training with Gennady. And it actually taught me the biggest lesson you you know you, you have in sport that you have to sort of I I had to create my own personality as a swimmer mm. and my own, you know, my own strengths and my own sort of work on my own weaknesses rather than trying to emulate somebody. So, you know, pretty soon after that, I started working my butt off on, with all the underwater stuff and, you know, developing my stroke and going to straight arm and racing. Like I did 150 starts in one calendar year. So mm. by, the, by the time I got up on the blocks in Perth, there was literally no nerves because I, I had swum and run and whatever yeah. you, you want to call it in pretty much most races. And I've raced everybody in all the different, you know, World Cups and things like that. So for me, it was a was I had to innovate myself as a as a person, as an athlete, um, become much more mentally tough because obviously that that experience on that first day, mm. you know, taught me a valuable lesson that you just, you know, I just probably wasn't ready for that moment anyway. So, um, yeah, and I just raced and, you know, I got to travel, but I also got to become really tough and, and I didn't fear anybody. So on that first day I managed to, you know, I wouldn't say revenge, but I, I got I got to uh, – achieved the goal that I wanted, you know, 18 months prior and winning the, the 200 freestyle world title. Mm. Yeah, exactly right. It was just, yeah, it's amazing how those moments kind of shape you as a person. And if you hadn't have that, had that experience, you don't mm. know what the trajectory would have actually been moving exactly. forward. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, it's, you know, another story when, you know, when I broke my first 100 butterfly world record and the full start rope didn't go down at the 15 meter mark and they, didn't go down at the uh, 35 meter mark either. So we actually swam 65 meters before we, we you know, we had 20 minutes off to do it again. Um, but I was, well, 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 I was well, well under the world record pace the first time as well. And I always think, you know, what, 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 what could have been? But mm. I think, you know, I was lucky enough to break it the second time. But, mm. you know, that's just, it happened for a reason. You know, I was obviously very well trained and probably overtrained. Um, like we most were, but um, yeah. So it's uh, you can't sort of think what if, but mm. um, yeah, um, uh, there's a lot of those stories, that's for sure. Yeah, you can't think what if, but it's hard not to think what if every now and then. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, I know, I know. <laughs> so leading into 2000, what was that like? Because I, I, Lisa was she's the same age as me. She was obviously part of that team, yeah. but I just I can't even fathom what that pressure would have felt like because, I mean, the Olympics mm. is a beast unto itself anyway. Um, just as yeah, yeah. a standalone event, it is oh, just just a feast for the senses. And <laughs> like you said, you get overawed. Yeah. You think you're prepared, but you're actually, you know, probably lying to yourself a little bit or you're, you know, yeah, very yeah. naive like perhaps yeah. Lisa was as a 15-year-old going into <laughs> yeah, home yeah. Olympics. Um, but, like, how, yeah. do you, how do you prepare yourself for that? How do you prepare mentally obviously physically you know what to do but mentally how do you prepare yeah, for yeah. the world stage in your backyard look it's really i mean for me it's hard to prepare like you said you can't it's it's, it's you know the, the time we walked out and i didn't swim in the heat of the football and freestyle so my first experience of the olympics was first night last event the crowd's already going off because Thorpe's wow. won the 400 and it's like wooshka, you know, it's, it's, so it's, you can't prepare for that. And we, you know, we had the pan packs in, in the Sydney Olympic pool the year before that. So we were trying to sort of get, get used to the, you know, the, well, we knew that pool anyway. I mean, we've been you know, racing in it for, for years in advance, but it's, it's the atmosphere that you can't prepare for. It's mm. the Olympic village. It's the people waving at you at every corner. And it's, you know, it's the things that, that come along with the Olympic Games that that especially if you and then on home soil that you just can't prepare for. So 
Um, I think for me, it was a fine balance of training in Australia and also training overseas. So mm. I think you, if you just remove yourself completely, you'll you'll be shocked at some point that it, you know you you can't just do your work and training. You can't be efficient. But then again, you know, I wanted times where I, I travel to Europe or the States and you know have really good sort of solo training periods without any distractions, etc. So I think you. Yeah, you'd be naive to to try and pretend like it's going to be fine, and mm. you know you're gonna. But I think you do still have to expose yourself to to the media, you know, to corporate sort of events, etc. Because that's going to be around, and and it, I think you know most of us got the right balance. Then mm. when we did get to the finally to the Olympics, it was uh, you know we managed to handle it okay. Yeah, because I mean that's that's an interesting just as a sidebar, because you have to kind of balance that because that's also your earning capacity, <laughs> regardless of what the results exactly. are. You know, if you yeah. completely tank at the Olympics, you want to have maybe earned a little bit in the lead up because that's how a lot mm. of swimmers are earning their money is through private sponsorships. Yeah, and look, there was in in the lead up to Sydney, there's you know the corporate attention and support and. Not only from and, and the intent in, incentives for, through the sports commission were huge, you know. Mm. So there was, you know, for us all, there was a great opportunity to, you know, make you know make some sort of a, of a living of it, and then obviously make a mark as a as a name as well mm. potentially in the sport if you if you perform well. So yeah, it's, but it's a fine balance. You got to focus on. Um, yes. You know, getting the work done, but then not getting distracted, mm. etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, yeah, it was a was a very interesting time, and and I know you've experienced it, and it's uh, um, yeah, it's you know, knowing when to put the blinkers on, knowing mm. when to focus on recovery, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So because what I find, um, but uh, yeah, what I like, I want to spend a sorry, I I I know this is a podcast about retirement, but I just <laughs> as a fan of swimming, I just do want to spend a little bit of time on on the Sydney Olympics because yeah. it was just such a, a magic time. But also for yeah. you, I think was a real roller coaster ride as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. first day, um, first com- first day of competition, <laughs> you walk out onto pool deck, and you know you're hit yeah. with the incredible crowd and the vibe, and like you guys, you guys weren't the favorite. Like you know, there was this constant tussle yeah, between yeah. America and Australia, and you guys, you know, yeah, were shit talking yeah. each other, and it was just <laughs> brilliant to watch. But no one could have anticipated what that actual race was going to look like and how yeah. it would turn out. Like, how was that first yeah. day for yeah. you, that first moment? Because you broke a bloody world record in the lead-off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, you've done it. You've done it. You know what it feels like to do the day. It's, it's uh, I can't describe it, you know. Even in, in the warm-up, I, uh, I, swam, I went to the pool that morning and um, I suited up and did a push. 50 and I think I pushed like a mid 23 like off the wall I like don't even off the dive I was and Ganani's like just get out of the <laughs> don't pool, worry about it you're ready <laughs> <laughs> you're ready I was so I was ready to burst out of my skin and but it was yeah it was you know it was just such a special moment mm. because we you know we had Chris Feidler who was on his uh on that was kind of his retirement tour he called yeah. it and then we had <laughs> Ashley Ashley Callis who is you know, it was just his second major meet, the first Olympics, you know, so he was kind of an Olympic rookie. Ian Thorpe had just won the 400 an hour before. And so there was this huge, you know, our team was, you know, on paper, definitely. Like we were not, the, I was the only swimmer in the top 10 in the world in 100 mm. freestyle at the time. The rest were, you know, between 10 and 30, really. Mm. So, um, and then you look at the Americans, they had they had about three swimmers in the top 10 and about five in the top 15. So, but then, you know, you bring the drama of Gary Hall Jr. Yeah. and a little bit of, uh, you know, fun, fun and games, which, uh, you know, to this day, if it wasn't for Gary, we wouldn't be talking about this relay. <laughs> but, you know, it did, it, did, it did create this anticipation. You know, he's actually... He, you know, in, in in all respect, he's he's been fantastic for the sport. Not only in the lead up before with Alex Popov, and he had mm. you know had those great races with him in Atlanta, but then creating that rivalry with with the Aussies and um and and he was the first one that came up to us after the race and congratulated us all. But um you know he built it up and and he wanted to see if the Aussies could rise to the occasion and 
the only way we knew how we could possibly take them off their game was to try and stun them early. As you know, mm. with relays, you get excited, you swim, you go out too hard, and it's all in that, that last 15 metres where if, if you do go out too hard, you fade really badly. Really and, badly. Uh, you know, the, yeah, and the, and the Americans fell for it. And I was lucky enough to, uh, you know, to lead off in the world record. And kind of, it's, yeah, one in a million when the plan kind of just comes off to perfection. And, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm – it's funny because it's – I sort of my memories and pro, I'm not sure if it's with you, it's, you know, what people tell you and, mm. it's, and also what you've seen on TV and yeah. then you've seen – flashes of photos and then it's, so it's kind of it's it's all <laughs> mashed up together, but yeah. for me I, I, yeah but when I look when I look at uh one thing I do remember when looking up at the crowd when I was walking around to go behind the blocks just this this you know there's vibration coming off the grandstand and the you know the Olympic uh, Park swimming pool that I don't think it's ever been that loud mm. since so it was uh um yeah it was a really special moment yeah it's um it was. I mean, it's it's etched into people's memories for a reason, and you know, not to be a dick to American swimmers, but they really do fall for that trick a lot. They go out too hard and then they fake because we've been trying to do that for years and years, and we consistently yeah, win because yeah. of it. Just you know, to float our own boat at the moment. <laughs> but that's what you guys were able to to execute to perfection, and it's it's yeah. not often. And I think as for me you don't see it executed to perfection every time and that's why it's so special to mm. see it when it is just, uh, yeah, yeah, beautiful yeah. to watch. I mean, look, obviously now um, there's, you know, the girls, the current girls team has been untouchable and they've been so solid and you, you started that obviously as well with, you know, just having, you know, stacking relays and mm. just having great depth and there's, you know, youngsters coming where you've got the likes of now with Kate and, you know, Emma and everyone's, you know, just, drags everyone along and, yeah. and then you obviously at the in- inception of that and that, that's uh you know that's why Australia is so great because we can bring in all these youngsters that <laughs> that want to want to be you yeah well no, but that's so. exactly right I think it does create that depth doesn't it it just yeah breathes yeah. that that standard to just continue to rise but um, yeah. I wanted to come back to um, after that race because I can't, like, I can't even fathom having to come off that high after that relay. Mm, mm, but mm. you, being a multi-event swimmer, had to come off yeah. that high and yeah, come, yeah. come down yeah. as best as you could to try and compete in the rest of your program. How do you? Yeah. How do you manage that? Especially, especially uh, now was, you are the world record holder. Like. Yeah. On in yeah. the event, yeah. you had broken the world record. So how do you yeah. manage that pressure? Look, that night, that that night was was really. I mean, we we sort of accepted that we're going to embrace what 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 happened, and you know, we still had to do our drug test. We yes. went through the process All of the recovery, so sit down, massage, etc. Press conference, you know, the press conference I think started at eleven thirty, wow. so it was a, was a packed room, and then. You know, by the time it finished, we walk into the dining room at about a bit after one o'clock in the morning and to get a standing ovation from hundreds of people that mm. waited for us. I think that was, to this day, it's one of the greatest moments of the Olympics that I remember that's outside of the pool, you know, yes. walking through and, you know, you got the coaches, the support staff that hung around and, you know, to, to get that standing ovation, it's, yeah, for me, it still just gives me goosebumps yeah, thinking about that. I so, got goosebumps. <laughs> um, yeah, I had to, uh, yeah, I think I had to a couple of sleeping tablets that night mm. and, you know, I was lucky enough to have a morning off. But, yeah, my next swim was a 4 by 2 which was another gold medal. And mm. um, so I, I sort of, I emotionally, I spent myself really quickly within the program and then, by the time I got to my individual events, I didn't, you know, the one thing I, I lacked was definitely that little bit of a, of a spark. And, mm. you know, I, as as an Aussie and as, as you know, in relays, you just give it all. And I, I could tell by when I was going through the process of heats and semis that I just wasn't as fresh as I was on that on that morning of mm. the 4 by one freestyle relay and then even on the morning of the 4 by 2 So, you know, I really had to, dig deep to even get silver and the fly, which, you know, I, I led for about 99.9% of the race. <laughs> yes. And then, uh, and then in a hundred free, there was point, you know, there was point, I think there was 0.04 between second and fourth, which I wow. ended up being fourth. So, 
you know, it's uh, there was yeah, there was a couple tough sort of you know, and I wouldn't say lessons by that stage. There was just you know that's that was, that's the way the cookie crumbled, and you know Gary was the one who beat me by one one hundredth for that medal. So, mm. but uh, you know what, it's it's funny because we I've done a bunch of sim clinics with Gary and. And we have great banter and great stories. And I always, you know, lead off with the relay and he says, oh, but I beat you in the individual by one one hundredth. So we've got, uh, yeah. Asshole. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. But that's the thing. And I, look, I enjoyed the ride. I mean, for me, Perth was pretty smooth sailing. I only got beaten once by Alex Popov and or twice by Alex in the 100 free and the 50 free, mm. but everything else was gold. So, and then going into Sydney was slightly a different story. So, I dropped the 200 freestyle because of the likes of Ian Thorpe. Yeah. And, you know, I, qualif- I qualified well. I was sort of ranked in the top five in the world, but with uh, with the likes of Ian and Peter, there was just too much to, to take on. If it was just heats and finals, I probably mm. would have, but. As you, as you know, it's so hard to now Back to qualify up. being top eight in the world. It's it's super tough. But uh, yeah, I um, yeah, it was a, definitely a roller coaster ride. And mm. um, you know, sometimes I still lay awake at night thinking, what if I what if I didn't do this or what if yeah. I yeah, well, because that's, <laughs> point, point, that, point one of a second yeah. is not that much. No, because <laughs> I, I think that's what I wanted to talk to you about because I think there's. There's one thing which we, you know, as Australians, we are obviously so proud of, which is that relay success, and it's something that we've had a, a huge legacy in in this country mm. in swimming, and you know, continue to do now. But as as a swimmer, we dream yeah. about <laughs> the individual success, right? We dream yeah. about yeah, yeah, the gold medal at the Olympic Games, and that's kind of it. Yeah. And so, how yeah, yeah. Did, what? Was it hard at the time or did you just go, oh, that's just how it goes? Or like how did you oh, no, definitely. That? Well, it's definitely hard. You know, this, I talked to Daniel Kowalski who has been pretty open about his kind of uh, journey with mm. it and and living with it because it's, you know, like it's, as you said, we that's our ultimate goal, and you know, I, I won every other meet but that mm. individual gold. So, but you, you know, I, I, you know, and then it's interesting that I, I seek counseling after my swimming career, not really during it. And, um, and I did come to the re- realization that even I think if I won that gold medal, I don't think I would have been a different person to what I am now. You know, mm. I think my kids wouldn't have loved me more, mm. <laughs> that's pretty sure, because they don't. You know, they, they don't even know. They don't really give a shit. I did in the pool anyway. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So they, oh, yeah, my dad, the swimming guy. Whatever. Um, and then, yeah, that's right. So I think it's it's your own reflection of it, really. Yeah. So, and it's interesting, you know, obviously with, you know, having so much support and adulation from the Australian public and media, et cetera. I, yeah, I don't, it's, it's more, I think, a personal journey mm. that you have to, or you have to, how you sit with it (laughs) and I'm going to sit with it for the rest of my life. And it's uh, knowing that, okay, well, that's unfortunately that's the way it went, but it was, uh, yeah, it's definitely hard because that's the one that got away. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, so, so do you feel like you, I don't know, I don't know how to ask this question. Like, do you, Mm -hmm. cause it, it, it's, it is that it's that internal reflection of what you wanted to achieve and not having met Mm. that expectation. Right. And so did you feel like that impacted you moving forward into your career? Cause you went on to have a couple of injuries Mm, um, mm. and then, yeah. Yeah. How did that transpire? I don't think it, I don't think mentally it did actually, because I started, you know, if anything, I started swimming pretty well straight after. Yeah. um, I didn't win the Worlds the following year, but, I, you know, I, the next few years after the Olympics in Sydney, I was in, in pretty good shape. And then I start, suddenly that's when the, in, the injury started with my, my, my ankle, which I was mm. playing basketball with, <laughs> with the boys at the AIS. It's just another reason ankle. why swimmers should not be on land. <laughs> correct, correct. And then, you know, then led into the back operation, which then obviously threw my whole body out of balance. Mm. You know, my shoulders started giving way. And there was... Kind of the first period where I I was faced with challenges in, in the sport. I think, you know, not winning gold is a result. And, you know, the challenge of going to training and pushing yourself, I don't think that's the challenge. I think the challenge is, 
is when you ha have these obstacles of either injury or personal trauma or whatever it might be. And that's, yeah. that's when I really sort of, um, and I, yeah, and I've realized that for me, swimming is more than now. Like even for these days for me, it's such a big part of my life because, I, you know, I went down and spent 3K uh, this morning as, with a snorkel and just focused on my breathing and focused on the sound of the bubbles and mm. things like that. So I'd still be doing that if I was a gold medalist or not. But, yeah, so I think it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, like I think, yeah, that was, a, that was a challenging period of, not being able for me mentally not being able to do what 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 i wanted my body to do you mm. know and it's that that was the frustrating thing so trying to come to terms with with overcoming injuries was 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 probably the hardest thing yeah that, just so you found that harder than actually missing out on that that individual gold medal yeah absolutely because it means you know i think you were in the room in in melbourne and 2007 mm. you know and I knew that was coming towards the the latter part of my career and um, my body was kind of you know my mind was still kind of I had the drive and mm. motivation but my body was just starting to fail me and wasn't able to back up and yeah so that was sort of when you realize that you just can't keep up with the likes of you know at the time Eamon was you yeah. know starting to really hit his straps and a few other guys were you know going past me so it's, it's a natural kind of um I knew that when I retired the first time, it was, you know, it was, it was timely. And the second, me coming back, I have no regrets about coming back mm. either because it actually was, it was such an enjoyable process, even though I didn't qualify for London, mm. um, training with Rowan Taylor and, um, you know, I already had two kids and started a business and we were, had a third one on the way. It was, it was sort of a, it was a really interesting time where it proved to me that I could manage you know, say so in the lead up for Sydney, my life was swimming yeah. full stop. You know, <laughs> so that's it. But it's actually interesting enough where you can you can actually have a really well holistic, you know, balanced lifestyle with I don't know kids if kids add to the holistic part, but <laughs> but you uh, I did I, you <laughs> but yeah you can definitely you know I think Chris Fidler was a great a great example that you could do uni, you could do law, and you can still. You know, I think there is areas of your brain that you still have to use outside of swimming to actually give you a break from that, you know, overthinking process. So, yeah, um, yeah I really enjoyed that comeback. Um, unfortunately, yeah. I got back to the same times I did in Melbourne in 07, but mm. unfortunately the whole world of swimming had, had progressed. So yeah. that was that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I was the same. Like I managed to just make the team in, a, in ju just in inverted commas, make the team in a relay <laughs> capacity. And then I ended up retiring the following year because, you know, Bronte Campbell and Kate Campbell <laughs> and some pretty awesome the Yeah, the bloody Campbell, <laughs> why I order. Um, yeah, they do. It, the world progresses. But yeah. so in 2007, you mentioned that you just felt like you just knew it was the right time. During that period between sort of 2007 to 2011-ish, what did you do? Yeah, like yeah. What, what did? how did you – navigate that period of time like what what was it that yeah. sort of lit your fire and it, made it, you passionate yeah it was an interesting period because I knew that I, I mean I was getting closer to that to retirement obviously in a few years in, in advance and um, I started you know my family started a, a swim school business in, in, in 1998 actually so I've had that established and I think some sort of um, entrepreneurial stuff with that. And I always wanted to have a brand of my own. I thought initially yeah, it was going to be fashion um, and it didn't end nice. up being that way. But um, <laughs> so I was, I was preparing for life up the sport well in advance. And I think I was fortunate enough that I had not only family, but, you know, management, et cetera, people that were sort of getting me ready for that time mm. because I think that's, I guess my identity of being a swimmer is still there, but you have to develop a new one. Otherwise, yeah. you know, that's where you get stuck. You get, you get lost and you don't have a process of the, in the day or so. Uh, I started um, looking at a project that, that was, was something that I started in actually 2006 and, and I launched that on actually the, the, the week of the opening ceremony in Beijing. So in, in August of 08. So, yeah, I, I wanted to create my own my own brand of, of skincare products, but also I had on on the side, luckily with, with dad had some made some good investments and 
so I was, you know, I was able to be secure and didn't have to stress. And it was, so that transition was, was fairly seamless. Mm. Um, and obviously had a growing family. And so I was, I had enough things going on to keep me occupied. And I didn't, I didn't really feel like I needed to have a separation from the sport at all. I, I still loved it. I still, you know, stayed in touch with all the boys and, yeah. and, 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 and the girls as well in terms of, you know, the, the, the team that was growing. I, I was part of the, a bunch of the, the camps in the lead mm. up to to Beijing and then also in the lead up to London and etc. So it was uh, it was great to be part of the, the preparation even though I wasn't on the team. Yeah. So, well I find yeah. I find that quite interesting because there are a lot of swimmers who kind of go through a period of time where they feel like they need to stay away from the sport in some way. Yeah. I know that I've yeah, yeah. felt like that because I mean there was still athletes that I competed against that I you know you don't want to stand on their toes you don't want to kind of come in and feel like you're like hey I'm still here I'm just a dirty you know a dirty smell just hanging around (laughs) but you didn't feel like you you were like that we didn't think you were like that obviously (laughs) no not at all like look I am you know, I had a great relationship with all the coaches. You know, mm. obviously, with you know, I trained with Grant Stolwinder and Roman Taylor and Jim Fowley, and you know, there's yeah, there were so many great coaches that I that was under. So obviously, Dennis Cottrell for a while there too. So um, yeah, it was, and and we forget that that you know, like I'm I'm sure that you agree, it it's almost becomes a family. For mm. you know, I used to I used to train with you know, I used to go and train with. With Thorpe, which was like just going and getting punished for three weeks, yeah, and, and then all, then I'm going, <laughs> then I'd go and train with ha- uh, Hacky for a little while, which is kind of the same. Also awful. Three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, so I, I even did that with Skippy. You know, mm. people don't realize that we'd go head to head, but I'd go up to Redcliffe, and I'd, I'd love to. I love training in that old pool, and with with Ken getting up at four o'clock in the morning, and again, you know, that sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and, and now on reflection, I've got no idea why we bloody did that. Why? You know, why four a.m.? You know, it's know, not necessary. <laughs> why four a.m.? Why does why does Ken make up make Gizmos get up at four a.m. and you know? But and yeah, so uh, look and yeah, so we always had great banter and great stories. So it was always good to 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 catch up with those guys. And you know, we still had you know the O team, uh, O eight team, and then the, the the London team obviously had great. They had a, I think they had a much better chance of winning gold than we ever did in, in 2000. And, you know, they, they brought me in to sort of help the boys, you know, the, the, the targets and, and Amons and, mm. you know, the, the try and sort of win that, win that sort of gold medal back that we did in 2000. Unfortunately, that it didn't come to fruition, but, um, uh, yeah, it was great to be part of that lead up as well. And so you kind of established um, your skincare brand in in 08 like I, I don't know correct me if I'm wrong it, it kind of sounds like you're like oh yeah this sounds like a good idea but it's growing <laughs> into this like mammoth business that's you know um, stocked all around the world and so it's pretty kind of cool to <laughs> kind of do that on yeah. not, not a whim I'm sure it wasn't a whim but you're like oh yeah maybe this sounds good no look to be honest Libby like in, initially it was I was very naive I, I thought I had really no idea what it took to run a business. And I created like a business plan on maybe on an A4 bit of paper. And, and I worked with a few friends that are in, in the sort of in the design agency kind of space. So we created some nice bottles and, and then, you know, I did, did the liquid sort of speak. And, and I had this concept and I wanted to, you know, at that time, men weren't really using skincare products in Australia at all. Like on average, we probably have three products compared to say in Europe, they have up, up to eight to 10 products in their bathroom. So I felt, you know, I think if there's, and if anyone creates a product that does everything for mm. a man, there'll be, you know, there'll, there'll be a billionaire. But um, so, yeah, I just wanted to, to create a, a product for an Aussie bloke by an Aussie bloke. Mm. So I think that was the, the concept was that obviously being having dry skin my entire life from chlorine yep. and smelling like the pool and all that. So I had the, the kind of accidental insight. And then, um, and yeah, there was, there was, you know, the more people I spoke to and, and I wasn't actually initially up that I'm embarrassed to ask questions, but you know, I, I ended up going speaking to so many people and, and it was bloody tough. I actually, you know, mortgage part of my house. I, 
on it, got a loan and, you know, put a lot of my personal sort of money into the business and, and yeah, it was, there was a lot of, there's a lot of pressure that goes with that. Mm. And then down the, down the track, we sort of had private equity, which is, you know, when big companies invest, you know, a couple million bucks into your business, you're starting to work for not just yourself, but you've got to deliver, you know, it gets bigger and bigger. So, there's a joy and a kind of reward with growing a business and creating it yourself. And we, we did baby products, as you know, mm. and then we did female products and we did protein bars and some snacks and things like that. So the, the brand grew and grew and grew. But with that, there is, you know, accountability, there is responsibility. Mm. I, I really learned uh, late on the job, you know. Luckily, I, I had a fairly good memory for numbers, you know, and I think that probably came from, from sport where I was, you know, really good with my digital clock and all mm. that sort of stuff. And, but I was, um, I was great with my, not, I wasn't great at doing spreadsheets, but I could remember and I, I was sort of, uh, my math skills were okay. And I think that's, that was probably a thing that got me through it. And my passion was design and creating sort of pretty looking things <laughs> or smelling things. So that was, that was, and then that's important though when it comes as, to skincare. And, yeah. And when we talk about, you know, um, skincare and i did a fragrance at one point as well it's it's all about marketing you know mm. so we we wanted we needed to sell this pretty simple message you know simple easy products to use for aussie men so um you know it ended up com- coming off and i have re- recently sort of stepped back from the from the operating sort of part of the business mm. because it you know i'm now full-time in bali COVID actually has has put a spanner in in everyone's lives and yes. you know i i was literally at one point i was spending a week in bali and week in in australia and traveling and you know going to meetings and appearances etc but it just you know definitely caught up with me it uh affected my health my mental health mm. um so yeah recently made a decision just to stay put and focus my my energy on on the sim school which we're running here but also on the family and mm. and uh, probably just and, and yeah just my uh prioritize kind of my my immediate nucleus rather than sort of spreading myself around which as you know can Mm. uh, be pretty taxing but I think that's something that a lot of athletes go through is that kind of I don't know I don't I'm I'm kind of workshopping this with you but I feel like you're so Mm -hmm. blinkered for so long of your life you you're just focused on this one thing so when you come out of sport you kind of want to try this try that you know, you kind of used mm. to wearing a couple yeah. of different hats because you, you know, have to go and do an appearance or you have to go and do a presentation mm. or, you know, then yeah, you get in yeah. the pool and then you're talking to the media. And so you yeah. kind of try lots of different things and then you're like, oh, no, that's exhausting. I just want to focus my time mm. on this one thing again. Like that's something that I miss yeah. about the simplicity of swimming. You know what? One thing that I – and – Again, I, I, you know, I did some <laughs> did some work on myself sort of in the last few years, and I realized that I only had one gear. And then, yeah. even after sport, you know, I ended up going into adventure racing. I ended up, mm. you know, doing these great, you know, crazy adventure races in Europe and all these other fun runs. And I'd kept on training extra hard, and then I'd be, you know, spending you know twelve hour days in the office, and and yeah, and I, I really, I'm. I'm if anything, I paid the price for it mm. after 10 years of just even after the swimming career and, you know, I just physically and mentally was completely burnt out. So I think um, that that attitude that we had in the pool, I think it doesn't always convert very well into everyday life, yeah. you know. So for me, and it's, um, you know, it took me a while to realize that I did, we've, as an athlete, we were prioritize recovery it, it's it's a big part of our preparation 100%. but i you know 100 percent. and then after when i was in my everyday sort of you know work mode and family mode there was no you know there was i didn't really kind of i'd go on a holiday here and there but it was more it just go 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 mm. you know my recovery was on the airplanes and you know and lounges so mm. and it wasn't uh definitely not conducive so uh i've realized that yeah and in the last few years, of you know, I'm very fortunate to be based here in Bali and, you know, have a great climate and the kids are growing and I'm here to be able to witness that happening. But if I continued to do what I was doing five or six years ago, I, mm. you know, I'd probably miss out on a bunch of stuff. Mm. And, and, you know, I've, I've had a, a bit of health issues in the last few years as well. So, you know, who knows where that would have gone. So I really had to uh, 
stop and and prioritize things. Mm. So what what do you want to achieve with your your swim school then? Like what's what is the goal there? Is that just to share swimming with the world or you know do you want to create some Olympians in the future or what what's the goal? <laughs> oh look it's quite kind of interesting because you know obviously I've been I've been living here for nearly 10 years actually this mm-hmm. year so you know there was never really a proper Australian standard kind of swim school here in Bali and there is a lot of there's a lot of Australian expats there are a lot of expats from all around the world but there's also a lot of locals and um, and recently I had the opportunity to bring over my I guess my program from from Australia and started here and the it's been so welcome that it's, it's it's been really refreshing and I'm training it. I enjoy, obviously, my my passion is seeing, you know, that sort of when you make that transition from learn to swim to squad mm. and then training the elite. So I've got a couple of swimmers that are, you know, national record holders and, you know, sea, sea games kind of representatives, gold medals. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm on pool deck and doing doing the uh, doing the miles like, uh, you know, like our coaches used to. But I'm, it's a... It's you know I was thinking you know I'm not getting my 200 emails a day anymore. Yeah. Um, you know I'm on pool deck, you know working with some really you know fun kids and also with some really uh, great elites and building a little new sort of swimming community that never really existed here in Bali. It was mm. very um, kind of s- separated. People used to do their own thing, and but I think there is uh, yeah there's something an opportunity that hopefully I can build on and. Yeah, there's a an elite training center in in the works here. So hopefully we can, let's say, host host the Aussies one day or the US or whoever it might be, mm. um, and be be part of that. So yeah, I think swimming will be, um, you know, it, it was funny because I, I spent, you know, did a bunch of camps with Brett Hawk, who's obviously very much in yes. in the sport of swimming through his through his podcast and also his coaching and the way he's. And he's a bit of a visionary, I think, the way he looks at it too. Yeah, so, totally um, you know, I was, yeah, I was a little bit against, uh, not against, but I was kind of a bit, oh, you know, do I really have to get back on pool deck? And I thought it was just going to be a bit, of, you know, too labor intensive. And mm. But it, it ended up being completely opposite. It's been quite rewarding, you know, except for the heat. When I'm starting coaching at 2 p.m. and yeah. it's like 30, 30, 33 degrees and, Hundred percent humidity. I'm going through like five t-shirts a day, but it's, uh, it's no. But it's it's. Uh, we do have a local. The thing that actually the other great thing is there's a local sort of water safety program because there are so many drownings here compared to Australia. Drowning numbers are great, but mm. um, here in Indonesia it's even worse. So it's something that uh, you know we're with with Finns Rec Club. We're trying to implement you know, bringing locals in and going through water safety programs and first aid programs as well, just so, you know, we can, it's the most, it's the highest numbers of deaths for a preventable cause, mm. you know, which is, as you know, I know you're very passionate about yeah. it as well, water safety. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's another thing that kind of gave me a bit of motivation. And so, yeah, I'll do that. I've got a couple, you know, health and wellness is a space that I'm uh, still kind of playing in with the, in the hospitality space yeah. so trying to, and it's mainly through movement, but it's also through mindfulness and meditation, etc. So I've kind of shifted a little, you know, I've gone from the, the yen to the yin yeah. in the last few years. But uh, as we as we get older, we, we learn lessons. But I, I, I do find that really interesting because I think so often athletes come from that really high performance background. But I think also with swimming or even just being an elite athlete, you you were so in the moment and you were so, I don't know, they talk about, you know, that being in the moment and being in the race and you mm. know, the perfect race and yeah. whatever that looks like for anyone. Mm. So we mm. kind of mm. know that that exists, but we yeah. need to yeah. learn how to find that outside of that acute moment because we don't get to yeah. have that opportunity anymore <laughs> so we have to kind of find yeah. it through movement in different ways through meditation in different ways and even like your even your if it's your purpose or even if it's your you know having you know having something that you you know you're getting up for in the morning or you know i've set up my new routine now because of my back which mm. is still giving me trouble and my ankle that's still giving me trouble i get up and do movement mm. pretty much I, well literally every day i'll do some kind of movement if it's swimming or i've got a stationary bike it's it, luckily you know this climate here is very conducive for me to 
even just do a bunch of stretches and do some mat work and then I'll get on with it with my day so um, those things are my non-negotiables and then you know I end up going to the pool and teaching the kids in the afternoon and it's a, it's a nice lifestyle at the mm. moment especially with you know the restriction with travel where I normally would be commuting and you know getting on and off planes so it's a yeah I'm uh, I'm for me, that uh, yeah, like like you said, it's I find my time to have it for myself that mm. I can be, then sort of hopefully be you know a good partner to to my girlfriend and obviously a good dad and mm. all that sort of stuff. So it's uh yeah, I mean that's the thing that I've definitely learned in the, in the past to make sure you your self care is right up there. Yeah, exactly. And so because you've got you've got three little ones, two two girls and a boy. Yeah, they're not that little, unfortunately. So Frankie being 10. Wow. Because I remember Stella Frankie being a, born. I feel yeah. like, which, yeah. was that in 2006 or 2007? So Stella is 2006. So she turned Stella's Oh, sorry. I remember Stella being days. born. Yes. Yeah. Not being so born. I obviously wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not in the room. So she came to the, uh, she came to the Commonwealth Games in 2006. That's so she right. was there. Uh, in you know, like yeah, in the stands for the first time, and then Rocco's thirteen, um, but Stella's six foot actually. So when she wears wow. a Doc Martin, she's six foot two, and like I'm like, okay, you're not you're not allowed to wear any, you know, any <laughs> anything that makes you taller than me. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so, so Stella's six foot. Rocco will be six foot in, in, a, in a couple of months, I reckon. And then yeah, so I've, I've got three that are completely different kids, and as you know, they've all got you know different personalities mm. different interests and it's uh yeah it's it's been a uh, pretty interesting sort of uh, now n- navigating through the teenage years yeah no that <laughs> terrifies tough. me i'm not ready Just for tough. that <laughs> at all. i don't know if i'll ever be prepared for that Very it's terrifying no, no. <laughs> so do you see any of them getting into sport at the elite level or that's not something that you would ever encourage them to do <laughs> Oh, absolutely, I would, and and it's whatever it might be. I, I think you know, sport. I mean, I know you, you'll vouch for it. it. It definitely the the discipline of setting a goal and mm. then going through the process, trying to achieve it, and you know, not not making not necessarily making sacrifices, but making choices mm. to miss out on things or whatever to get there. Especially in this day and age, where I think it's. Yeah, I don't know. Kids do here. There's so much options. There are so many choices. That, um, yeah. So I think, for example, Rocco loves swimming, but he loves swimming for the way it makes him feel yeah. afterwards. Yeah. He's not probably the quickest, but he can float three k with me, and he feels great afterwards. So, I, you know, I've Amazing. ticked that box. He's yeah. more of a. He's more of a. Uh, a basketballer, a tennis player, but then I don't know. It's not from my gene pool, but he's a great guitarist. So wow. he plays guitar three or four times a week. And then I've got my Stella, who's you know six foot. He, she's an equestrian rider and a surfer. So I've got um, completely again different so set of different. skills, and she's great in art. So mm. um, and then little Frankie, she's a good swimmer, but you know still does everything possible so mm. dance and swims and you know other other bits and pieces so i think just giving kids a choice but then slowly narrowing it down to mm. you know yeah i think at some point you have to devote yourself to to something but um yeah i'm i certainly haven't pushed them into swimming but i've yeah. i've encouraged them to stick to something and set some goals because it's yeah, I think you can do stuff for enjoyment as a, as a hobby, but if you're going to be serious, you have to be, you know, pretty devoted to something. Yeah, and there's a joy in the goals, right? Like there's a joy in, you know, setting that task, working towards it and achieving it. Like that's something that I feel like I learned really young. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like when even at the age championships level when we were setting, you know, setting those targets and, you know, first you'd have to qualify mm. and then you'd get to the meet and then you'd, you know, make the final and if you ultimately win, that was, you know, that, that was even at that age, you know, 13, 14, I think that, those, that goal setting sort of, you know, process started very early for mm. me. So I think, you know, I encourage my kids to, to set those similar kind of goals even with school with academic things as well. So, yeah, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. 
<laughs> okay, I'm, I've, I've taken up too much of your time, but thank you so much for, for <laughs> no you know, spending this time for me. Um, I just have one more question, and you kind of touched yeah, on it yeah. probably after after the win in the 4x1 freestyle relay in Sydney, yeah. that moment yeah. walking into the food court and having everyone cheer for you. They're the moments yeah. that people don't see, and I guess I want to yeah. ask from your yeah. perspective, what was what was the thing that you're most proud of that someone might not know from the outside, um, they didn't see it, you know, in the public space. What was that moment for you in swimming, in sport, where you just go, man, that was epic? Oh, God, that's a – put me on the spot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it might be that um, moment where you walked into the, the food court that, you know, the general public didn't see well, it. I think that for me, you know, the, 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 no one really knew about that and, and it was – it took all of us by surprise mm. because we were – they, you know, we had our medals still around our neck, and but even, you know, I, I get a, you know, out of the blue, I'd get a message from Gary. You know, mm. Gary, Gary connects with me, and he, he was, he's just an, an incredible individual. And people don't know that out of, you know, my training partner of, of eight, of nearly eight years, Alex Popov, I'm not as close with him as I am with Gary Hall Jr., who was my rival. Another question, but are you amazed by that? Because I feel like I've developed my relationships <laughs> with like Jody Henry, for example, who was this like yeah, ultimate yeah. enemy of me <laughs> for so long when yeah. I was swimming. And I'm like, wow, you're exactly. just like you're a human being who was working towards the same things that I was. And I just, I get you. Like I understand everything yeah. that you've gone through. Uh, absolutely. And then, and to get to know the, that person in a different way, like in, on a personal level, mm. it's, I think it's been really kind of kind of cool. And, you know, I spent some time with him like, a couple of years ago and, you know, we, you know, we exchange messages regularly. He helped me some, with some medical stuff, seeing his family's in that space. And um, so we have so much mutual respect for each other. And it's, uh, um, yeah, so I think that's, that's the thing that probably people don't realise that, you know, and as you touched on, there are relationships beyond the sport that, yeah. you know, even Ian and, and, and Grant and, say, Skippy that is just around the corner in Singapore, like, we've actually reconnected more in the last, you know, this since the anniversary year of, of Sydney, I think we've it sort of brought us all back, you know, it's so close together. So, um, and, you know, swimmers from, from other countries, including Lars Florlander, who obviously mm. won the gold in, yeah. in that 100 fly. And, he, you know, we send each other sort of happy birthday wishes with, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and what, what have you. But um, there is, yeah, uh, I think, you know, there is there's good good guys in sport, which people, uh, people don't always, you know, re- relate with that because they think there's just this constant rivalry and hatred mm. and what, what have you. But I think it's, we've gone beyond that and and now this new age of you know obviously what you're in with podcasts and being the accessibility to the people and finding out about themselves and um it's uh yeah it's been really cool so yeah you know so yeah gary in over the years he's sent me a guitar a les paul gibson guitar which is a, a limit a limited edition guitar which i I gave to Did my coach, you know, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's a, it's a collector's item, which is a, uh, it's a, it's an amazing wow. piece of work. And also, he makes he makes uh, uh, belt buckles. So I've got a, I got a bunch of belt buckles from from Gary Hall that's Jr. Amazing. as well. So uh, so that that's definitely what people would know about that. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Michael, thank you so much. It's just been such a pleasure no getting to chat to you as no, a 13-year-old fangirl again and as a 37-year-old fangirl. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm going to reverse and I'm going to interview you one day. Yeah, so, uh, let's do it. I'm, I'm, in. <laughs> I'm into it. Let's Whenever do it. Whenever you've got a spare moment. Brilliant. All right. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks, Clemmy. <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks a lot. Take no care. Worries. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs> Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming along for the first show of 2022. That was such a joy for me to be able to chat to Clemmy. He is someone that I have obviously looked up to for a really long time and I had the pleasure of being on teams with him for a number of years. And yeah, it's really cool to be able to talk to someone who I just resonate so much with as an athlete from his experiences and 
the wild <laughs> roller coaster ride that is an Olympic Games, and to see that he's been able to go on post sport and be, you know, create this incredible company, and then again pivot and shift gears and recognize what it is his priorities are and what his values are and still be so passionate about swimming and sharing that with the world it was a real uh yeah a real joy for me to kind of bask in that I guess and yeah and listen to his experiences and what he's gotten out of the sport as always at all that glitters pod uh let me know who you'd like to hear from next I have a number of swimmers lined up but a few outside of swimming as well some really exciting names coming up in the next few weeks so Have a lovely week and I will chat to you soon.